The presenting sponsor of this season of Wild Ideas Worth Living is Subaru. One thing I learned that I thought was very cool is Subaru is donating 50 million meals to help feed people in need during the COVID-19 crisis. They know this pandemic is devastating our country and has left hundreds of thousands out of work and unable to feed themselves or their families. Through the Subaru Love Promise, a commitment to support their communities, Subaru and their retailers across the country are making a donation to provide 50 million meals to Feeding America. This action, called Subaru Loves to Help, will make meals available at 199 local food banks across the country. In addition, Subaru retailers will be doing other things to help these local food banks, including food drives, donations, and volunteer events. Subaru knows their ongoing support will be necessary as local communities work to get back on their feet. Subaru loves to help just one part of the Subaru love promise. One more reason that makes Subaru more than a car company. Cooking is love. Cooking ultimately is, for me, sort of the the clearest, simplest, most honest way to share love, to take care of the people you love. And it's a great creative outlet too. So I think, I think in times especially of uncertainty, the more we can tap into that creative side and that, and that nurturing side, you know, the better. We don't normally think of baking bread as an adventure, but when we're stuck inside during the COVID-19 pandemic, we're finding all sorts of ways to adventure inside and in the kitchen. I don't know about you, but I've seen a ton of people starting to make artisan-style bread on social media, and it looks so good. So we wanted to talk to an expert to find out how you can do it too, that is, once you get your hands on some flour or yeast. You might remember past guest Eric Wolfinger. Besides being a food photographer, literally he's been called the Annie Leibovitz of food photography by the New York Times, and my longtime surfing buddy, Eric Wolfinger is a baker. In his early 20s, Eric traded surf lessons for bread baking lessons at one of the most famous bakeries in the world, Tartine Bakery in San Francisco, with the owner himself, Chad Robertson. The result ended up in a beautiful cookbook called Tartine Bread that in addition to being nominated for a James Beard Award, also set Eric's photography career on fire. Since then, Eric's photographed over 25 cookbooks and he shoots regularly for brands like Bon Appetit, Whole Foods, Pete's Coffee, and more. Since Eric's an avid baker, I wanted to talk to him about the recent rise, haha, get it, rise, of home baking, why making bread can be both adventurous and comforting, and what you need to start making your own loaves at home. Eric, welcome back to Wild Ideas Worth Living. You're now in the repeat club. Thank you, Shelby. Nice to be here. Let's just start with how you fell in love with baking bread. I fell in love with baking bread very unexpectedly. I, I, I was living in San Francisco and I was here to cook. I, had, I really had no interest in baking whatsoever. But after a year or so of cooking in, in you know, professional kitchens, making dinners for people. I I just sort of had this like idea that I wanted to learn something else. And I wound up at Tartine. And when I tasted their bread, I realized I hadn't had bread like that ever in my life. And I was, I really fell in love with the bread. And I think what was so surprising was 
falling in love with the actual making of the bread. So just to back up really quick, Eric traded surfing lessons with Chad, the owner of Tartine, for bread baking lessons when you were, what, like 20-something, 25, 26? 23, 24, yeah. So you trade surf lessons with literally like one of the top bread bakers in the world at Tartine, one of the best bread places in the world. What did you learn about bread making there? Well, I I remember proposing proposing to Chad that he had the ultimate surfing schedule and that he needed to take advantage of that and learn how to surf. And he was a little bit hesitant at first, but when I got him out into the water, what attracted him to surfing, I think, is what attracted me to bread so much. In that surfing looks so easy from the outside, but you really you, it's really hard once you, once you get in the water. And there's kind of this like, there's this inherent simplicity to surfing and to bread. And, you know, you can have fun and be successful the very first time you go surfing. And you can have fun and be successful the very first time you mix a dough. Like, you're going to make something edible, I guarantee it. But there is almost a, an entire lifetime of like practice and discovery with bread as there is with surfing, which is kind of counterintuitive because bread is at its at its most fundamental is three ingredients. It's flour, water, and salt. And, h- and how can you spend a lifetime kind of unpacking the mysteries of flour, water, and salt? Well, maybe that's what we can talk about today. But in the same way that you're never going to be the surfer you want to be, you know, I'm, you may never be the, the bread baker you want to be. But that's kind of the whole point. That's sort of what, what keeps it exciting. And that's what I fell in love with. And it's so cool because it seems like so many people are getting into it right now. Why do you think that is? I mean, do we all just, some of us have some time right now. No, man, bread is good. And when we're a little stressed, carbs are like, are what we need. (laughs) I don't know. I think, I think, you know, I think a lot of us are finding ourselves with a little bit more time on our hands these days. And I think now is a really good time actually to try to try your hand at something that you maybe in the back of your mind wanted to do, but never really gave yourself the chance to. I also think there's something just so amazing about the fact that it's just three ingredients that are so simple yes. that can make something so awesome and you can just do it in your kitchen and that feels so good. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's the thing. And I think, you know, one of the main lessons that I learned from Chad you know, there's this, I think a lot of people are intimidated by, by baking in general. Like, oh, it's so scientific, they say, because, you know, the, the measurements seem more precise. And if you don't get the measurements right, you know, you'll, like, your, cake, your, your cake will fall, your bread won't rise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what I really learned was how to bake intuitively. And, and, and obviously, it's very helpful to have measurements at the outset. But what I mean by baking intuitively is I learned how to, how to bake by feel, by observing my, my ingredients and their interactions and what was happening. I was able to kind of read, read the dough and, and do what needed to be done. So I think that's like, that's, you know, if there's one thing that I can help people understand and feel comfortable about, it's this is an intuitive process. It's not a scientific process. In, in, in the strict sense of you're not in a chemistry lab. 
sure, it's scientific. You're, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from your mistakes. You're going to experiment and learn from those experiments. But, you know, this is nothing too intimidating for anybody. Yeah, it's, it's baking bread. So, but you come from like the top of the top. But any tips for people just well, to I get started? I, I mean, I didn't start at the top of the top. I remember the first day Chad let me, you know, into the, into the baking room. I mean, obviously, I wasn't even allowed to touch the dough. I was sweeping, sweeping the floor and scrubbing baskets for a week or two. Kind of a Japanese-style apprenticeship. But when I, when I finally got my hands on the dough, I mean, it was a rude awakening. I mean, there, there, there are few things that I absolutely sucked at from the outset. And, and, and one was shaping his dough. Now, again, I don't mean that to intimidate anyone because that particular dough is a, is a, is a kind of his crazy, um, high hydration kind of mind trip of a, of a dough. I mean, it's like, if you want to use a surfing analogy, it's like, it's like being a beginner and given like Kelly Slater's, you know, board that he was, he was writing when he was in his late twenties, you know, like writing a potato chip. Like that's, that's kind of the, the analogy. Like it, his dough was so hard to shape, but you don't have to go that route when you start. I guess is the point. We all know what it's like to be inspired by the landscape around us. And few trails stand out in North America, like the Pacific Crest Trail. With 2,650 miles, the Pacific Crest Trail provides a wide variety of terrain over its epic expanse. And when we're in front of ever-changing trails, you need your shoes to be able to step up to the challenge. It's that need for versatility that inspired Danner's new hiking shoe, the Trail 2650. Built to move quickly and confidently through the terrain you're choosing, the Trail 2650 can easily fill the role of a lightweight hiker or a trainer. For Danner, this meant looking to lightweight materials that could withstand the demands of the trail while still keeping comfort and stability in mind, whether you're out for a day hike, going on a backpacking trip, or simply navigating some technical terrain. Feeling stable when you're hiking allows you to focus on the world around you. Whenever the timing's right to get back out there, you'll want to be ready to say yes to adventure. The Trail 2650 keeps shifting weather conditions in mind, which is why it comes with a lightweight mesh lining or a waterproof, breathable Gore-Tex option. So keep your eyes focused on that next trek ahead of you, knowing that the foundation you need to get out there can be found on your own two feet. The rest is up to you. To find out more and see the Trail 2650 series, visit danner.com or rei.com. So if I'm, you don't even know half of what you're talking about because I've never <laughs> even baked bread. Any, any tips for people yeah. just to get started right now with whatever they have in their kitchen? Like what kind of bread should we start with if we want to try now at home? What's something easy? Something easy. I... So again, I said I said bread is flour, water, and salt. And you notice I left out yeast. So there's two ways to go about raising your bread. One, you can use packaged yeast, the Fleischmann stuff, the instant instant yeast, or you can start a sourdough starter. And you don't need a sourdough starter from, you know, your grandma. You don't need it from a famous bakery. Like you yourself can start it at home. What is a sourdough starter? I don't even know what that means. A sourdough starter is basically flour and water mixed together that is then left to spontaneously ferment. There's yeast and bacteria 
all like on your hands, in the air, on the flower itself, that when given a moist, warm environment, will begin to ferment. And fermentation is the process of yeast eating carbohydrates and as a byproduct creating alcohol and carbon dioxide. And the carbon dioxide is what leavens the bread. Okay, so you could either have the starter or you could go get yeast at the store if you can get it. Yeah. And then I want to kind of go into this a little bit more, but what if people don't have even access to yeast right now? Like there was one time you had been working at Tartine and you went to Peru and you 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 stayed with this family and you basically cooked for them, yep. but you taught them to make bread using, I don't know, that obviously you didn't have yeast with you, so you just yeah. used whatever they had there. Yeah, I, I used chicha, which is their local corn beer. Um, it's 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 sort of, you know, where where a beer will cost you a buck, a, a, a pint of chicha will cost you five cents. It's sort of the local brew. And unlike beer, which is pasteurized and is, is not an active fermentation anymore, the chicha is bubbly and gurgly, and if you drink too much, it does some crazy things to your insides. But I kind of had the the idea that I could just mix a dough with this actively fermenting chicha, and that would leaven the dough, and it did. So we made I didn't, I didn't exactly make bread. I made I made pizza in a home clay oven there. So I mean I, I would I'm not sure I would go so far as to say you could just pour some yogurt. <laughs> into flour and water and it will it will rise but then again I haven't tried <laughs> but if you don't have instant yeast and if, and and, and I, I really I think I recommend I would recommend looking up the no need bread by Jim Leahy that that is kind of like the simplest easiest way to get your feet wet you literally mix flour water salt and a little bit of yeast leave it alone for 24 hours, and then you bake it in a Dutch oven. And the results are not amazing, but it's bread. It is bread, and it is very good. And then from there, you can kind of go a little deeper. Of course, I recommend the Tartine Bread Book, and I really recommend you make your own sourdough starter. And the way you do that is you mix a few spoonfuls of flour with an equal amount of water, to a paste, we all remember what paste looks like from kindergarten, and you just let it sit for a few days, and you'll start to see little pinhole bubbles forming. Those are the ambient yeasts that are in there, they're multiplying, they're kind of creating a colony of, of yeasts and bacterias, but it's not ready to bake with yet. Like You need to kind of train that starter and make it, make it more vigorous. And so at the end of three days, you dump most of it out. Why are you dumping it out? Well, the yeasts have already consumed all the carbohydrates and they've got nothing left to eat. So you dump most of that out, add a few more spoonfuls of flour, equal amount of water, stir it up, let it go for another couple days. And then you're going to see like that you're going to see that activity probably happening even faster. And I liken, you know, keeping a starter to keeping a pet. You you feed it when it's hungry. Well, how do I know it's hungry? Watch it. When it rises, it's eating and it's like in full health. And then when it falls and kind of looks deflated, it's done eating and now it's hungry again. So when it's hungry, you dump most of it out, 
leaving just a little bit of like, you know, the residual bits in, in your whatever container you're using and add a couple more spoonfuls of flour and a little bit of water and let it go again. You don't need a ton of flour and a ton of water because you're going to be throwing this stuff away while you're building the health and vigor of the starter. But this, this process will take, you know, a week to 10 days. And after 10 days, you will, have a, you will have a sourdough starter made by your own hands that you can make bread with. Mm. And then what do you do with your starter? So you just add that then to flour, water? And salt, yes. You, well, at first, of course, you know, if you're, if you're going by my, by my specific recipe, a few, a few spoonfuls of flour and equal amounts of water, you're going to want to bulk that up a little bit to leaven like a, a larger dough. So I do recommend the tartine recipe is online in the New York Times. It's been copied and recopied many times. It's a very good recipe. We worked really hard to make it understandable to anybody who picked up the book. We get made fun of a little bit because the recipe is 40 pages long. Most of that's photography. <laughs> <laughs> but I really recommend that's that. It, it, honestly, people complain that it's a complicated recipe. It's, not, it's complicated if you want to make the bread on the cover of the book. And, you know, that's, that's a great goal. But for today, if, if you make your own starter and you make something that resembles bread and hot out of the oven with a swipe of butter, it tastes good. Like, that's success in my book. Mm, there's got to be something just so awesome about sharing some sort of bread with someone else. I mean, you know the, you, you know the word companion comes from the word bread. Co-pan. Eating ah. bread together. Eating bread together. That's so interesting. So when you do your sourdough starter, where do you put it? Just on your kitchen table or I'm a little confused. In the windowsill. And you just leave you know, it out. You leave it out where you'll, where you'll see it and where, you, where you'll remember it. Because like I, like I mentioned before, you know, it's, it's sort of like a pet. You feed it when it's hungry. And every day you kind of look at it and, you know, if it's droopy and you smell it and it's really sour, like super sour or... Or a little fartsy, that means it's time to feed it again. <laughs> it's as simple as that. How do you think bread making is, is soothing? I mean, especially right now, so many people are posting about how they're baking bread. Like how for you is it a soothing activity? I think, I mean, one of the reasons why I stayed at Tartine for so long and why I loved it was I felt like I was developing a craft I, and, I was, and I was getting better at it every day. Um, and there, there really is this like great satisfaction in making something that you're proud of. So for me, you know, I've, I've come back to bread baking, you know, at home as a way to sort of stay connected with this craft that I loved and that I devoted myself to for so long. But that's me personally. You know, I... I Bread is very Instagram friendly. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why it's become so popular. I did a charcuterie book and, and sausage is not as Instagram friendly. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, cooking in general is so beneficial, especially in difficult times. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about what your process is when you cook and why you like cooking. I mean, cooking is love. 
cooking ultimately is 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 for me sort of the the clearest, simplest, most honest way to share love, to to take care of the people you love. And it's a great creative outlet too. So I think I think in times especially of uncertainty, the more the more we can tap into our that creative side and that and that nurturing side, um you know, the better. Anything else you're cooking right now or you've been experimenting with that's, you know, on the easier side besides bread? I've been roasting a lot of chickens recently. Still working on, you know, that, ro- you know, roasted chicken, just like a loaf of bread seems so simple. But if you, if you want every element perfect, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta consider every, every detail. I've got a pot of a um, bolognese, gurgling on the stove right now we're gonna have pasta and bolognese this evening i'm really into i got this little um japanese binchotan grill and i'm really into sitting at the table and grilling at the table outdoors but that's super fun just like kind of maybe korean style ribs over rice sesame seeds flaky salt You've done, I mean, 25 cookbooks. You've, tr- you've tried all sorts of cooking. Yes, yes. In times like this, you said you go to chicken, roasted chicken. What else do you go to? So I did this book on Japanese clay pot cooking called Donabe. And that, that is a very home-style Japanese cooking tradition. This is not sushi here. This is like comforting, simple, easy food. And the revelation for me was the basically the process of cooking with a donabe is you put the food into this clay pot, turn it on the heat, and let the donabe do the work. And it, I mean, it's obviously, you know, the author, the authors whom I worked with, Naoko Moore and Kyle Connaughton, are very good cooks and the recipes are impeccably written. And if you follow them to the letter, like all you do is follow the recipe to the letter, put the food in the in this clay pot and turn on the heat and the results are I mean it's it's like it's like a thousand thread count, you know, feather duvet, how comforting that food that food is. <laughs> you know, it's just like oh so we've been, I've been, I've been, I've been uh, using my donabes a lot. Is there anything people can do right now with just the ingredients they have in their kitchen? I would say a lot of people have rice, beans, peanut butter, and <laughs> pasta. Go rice, beans, peanut butter, pasta. Go. I'm just looking at what we have. We have like rice, beans, peanut butter, pasta. We have like almond butter, and um, well, you're a vegan. You don't, you don't, you don't eat meat, do you? I do. I started eating salmon recently. I feel a little better, but um, I do experiment with plant-based eating, and my honey is uh, plant-based, one hundred percent. I think Mexican food and Thai food can lend themselves to taking like those very simple basics with a few spices or herbs that you have on hand, or maybe can like find in your neighbor's front yard and throw something together. 
That sounds like basically every meal. Rice, beans, <laughs> some salsa, and cilantro. Yeah. And avocado. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, take that peanut butter, you know, mix it with a little bit of honey, a clove of garlic. If you have fish sauce, groovy. And all of a sudden, you've got like the most epic Thai peanut dipping sauce for whatever you may have on hand. Or just eat that over rice. I love it. Eric, you're a guy who just loves life and grabs it full on, two hands, and you run. What brings you joy? Right now, what's bringing me joy is being at home with my family. And it, and I mean, it, it maybe sounds a little cliche, you know, for this episode, but it's, it's cooking good food for my family is what's really bringing me hardcore joy. And Eric, you have a newborn, so you've been pretty much yeah. in quarantine and when anyway. I say, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and when I say family, I mean, yes, I mean my, my, my partner, my ride for my ride or die, and uh, and my newborn baby. Well, he's a year, he's a year and change now, and is just now today standing up on his own. So, oh, congratulations! That's this uh, this quarantine social distancing is kind of my second paternity leave, (laughs) which I'm spending cooking, cleaning, and hanging out at home. If you're spending your time at home these days, like you should be, but you're ready to take on an adventure in the kitchen, here's how to start. Head to our show notes to find the yeast-based, no-need bread recipe that Eric recommended, plus some other recipes and cookbooks he talked about in the episode make your own starter, or you can see if your neighbor has some and you could pick it up from their front doorstep contact-free. Then feed it regularly and try to make your own bread at home. Now is also a great time to try out a recipe you're intimidated by or that takes a good portion of the day, like cooking a pot of beans, making pasta bolognese, or baking a fresh pie. Try making a recipe without the exact ingredients. I mean, that's always an adventure when you try making swaps or you cook by feel like Eric does. Thanks again to Eric Wolfinger for sharing some of the science and technique behind bread baking. You can see Eric's work at ericwolfinger.com and on Instagram at ericwolfinger, that's E-R-I-C-W-O-L-F-I-N-G-E-R. And Eric, I can't wait till we get to go surfing together again. If this podcast inspires you to experiment in the kitchen, share your adventures. I really want to see what you're cooking, and maybe it'll inspire someone else to go on a little adventure in their own home. Special shout out to everyone helping in the COVID-19 pandemic, to all you service workers, grocery store workers, healthcare professionals, law enforcement, parents, teachers. The list is endless, and it includes even you listening now for doing your part We're all in this together, so thank you so much, and stay safe. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Annie Fassler, and produced by Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby, and our presenting sponsor is Subaru. As always, we appreciate when you subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you listen. I've been getting some great reviews lately, and I just love them. Please keep them coming, especially during this time. And remember, right now, the best way to live wildly is by staying safe, sending hugs to you all. Mm -hmm.